Welcome to City Life Church, and this is our podcast. This is Pastor Dave Diefendorf, and we are so honored to have you join us today. Our passion is to help you discover who God is, grow in the likeness of Jesus, and lead well in this generation. I hope in this message, God will meet you where you're at and take you to the next level in your connection with Him and His kingdom. Enjoy the message. If you don't know Trevor, he's been here now for over a year. Him and his wife, Ruthie, moved here from Lawrence, and I, they work with me with Call to Greatness, and we're hitting up different campuses and just pushing the rock on the, the campuses nearby. So with that said, give a big round of applause, Trevor Perry. Thanks, Burton. Appreciate it, man. Uh, like he said, I'm not the normal guy here, so if you're new, don't judge the church based on what I say today. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I'm still figuring it out myself, so we're going to have a good time today. Uh, I'm going to pray and we'll get started, all right? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much uh, just for you being with us. You are Emmanuel. Um, you've always been with us. God, we thank you for that. God, would you allow me to speak clearly and accurately the things that you desire into the hearts and minds of your people this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, and so uh, Dave uh, did an amazing job wrapping up the story of Esther. And Esther uh, was the big theme of that. It's like, man, she was placed where she was for such a time as this, right? And so as it's very important for us as believers to understand, like, we are here for a reason, right? But then it's like, man, what do I do now that I'm here, right? Now that I'm in God's purpose and God's plan, like, how do I handle um, where I'm, like, the gifts and talents that God's given me? Okay, so I'm in my 30s um, right now, and One of the biggest lessons I've learned is this. So get your pens and papers out. This is very important, very big lesson. Um, It's going to be life-changing. The lesson is this. Embrace the awkward, okay? Embrace the awkward. All right. (laughs) It's just going to happen, you know, uh, the times when you wave at somebody and they seem to look right through you, you know, and, you know, and they just don't see you there. It's kind of awkward. The times when you're calling somebody's name really loudly and it's actually the wrong name happens to me all the time. Um, that weird space when you're like having a phone conversation with somebody and they're like, no, you go ahead. No, you go ahead. No, you, you know, it's kind of weird and awkward. Like awkwardness is a part of life. So just, just embrace it. Um, yeah. And especially the, the most awkward thing uh, happens when we're in pictures. Okay. And uh, I don't know for ladies if this is a problem for you, but for guys, it's very a problem, particularly when you're on the end of a picture, you know, it's like, what do you do with this hand? You know? How do I handle this? Like, you ladies have poses, you know, you do like the sorority, sorority thing. Guys really have a struggle on the, on the outside. And so as I was thinking about, you know, this lesson of being awkward, I couldn't pass up the opportunity uh, to show you guys some of my favorite awkward pictures that I found on the Internet. And so let's take a look at some pretty awkward photos. This one is great. I love the guy with the fist pump. Uh, looks like he kind of just panicked and just went like, yeah, you know, pretty awkward and kind of uncomfortable. Uh, the next one is, is even great, the hovering hand. Like, you never want to be that guy, you know, that just comes and hovers. Like, never want to be that person. And then finally, this one is just like, ah, man, <laughs> cringeworthy. You know, as I was looking at these pictures, I was morally, most disappointed in the people that were taking these pictures. Like, you're not being a good friend if you're letting, allowing your friend to, like, just stand there like that. It's just not, just not very great. Not great at all. Uh, <laughs> So uh, it's, it's, it's crazy to think, you know, as, as funny as this is, um, that's how I feel sometimes when it comes, when I come to thinking about walking in God's purpose for my life. 
Um, I get excited about being in the picture. You know, if being in the picture is like being in God's purpose, my life, I get really excited. But once I'm there, I'm like, what do I do now? Do I go out in front and do like a cool pose? Or do I just kind of find a window in the back and kind of like just like be weird or awkward in the back? You know, like what do I do now that I'm here? Um, that's where I find myself sometimes. I ask those questions, man. Man, how do I use, man, the gifts and the talents that God has for me? Man, how do I, how I use how God's wired me, man, for his, for his purpose and his plans? And uh, I'm not really sure how to do it. And I ask those questions all the time. And so the lesson I told you is really important. I think it applies here. Man, we have to learn to embrace what God's given us uh, no matter what. Um, and even though it may seem insignificant, man, we have to learn to, 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 to bring uh, our gifts and our talents alongside God's purpose and plan because we know that it will produce uh, the kingdom of God. All right, so God's gifted us with amazing gifts and talents. But on the flip side, when we use our gifts and talents in the wrong way, man, it produces frustration and failure and disappointment in our lives. And the, or, the, or the best case scenario, man, we use our gifts and talents outside of God's purposes. It just produces us uh, a, a, an execution that's way below um, God's plan for our lives. And so we have to find a way to, to work together with God and how he's wired us. And so I want to look at two pretty iconic biblical figures on and see how this plays out in their life. Um, and to examine, man, how they've, how they've been wired, how they've been gifted, but also to examine, man, how they've succeeded and failed in using their gifts uh, in a way to, um, to advance God's kingdom. And so uh, the first person I want to look at is Gideon. And I call Gideon the behind-the-scenes guy. And so uh, Gideon is a, a pretty fascinating uh, biblical character. He's one of my favorite ones, honestly. But we only have a couple chapters of his life. So as we're reading through Gideon this morning, I want us to really focus in on, like, man, how Gideon's been wired, like his, his personality, his traits, and some of the things that pop out as we're, as we're looking at Gideon. And so before I get into reading the story about Gideon, I want to give you guys a quick summary of, like, what's going on in this time in, of Israel's history. And so um, the Israelites are in this, this repetitive cycle of, hey, we follow and obey Jesus really well, right? God blesses us, and then we get wrapped up in the culture around us and begin to worship other gods, and the consequence of worshiping other gods is that God gives them over to, to, to be oppressed, okay? And so in this, in this stance, the Israelites are being oppressed by uh, the, the Midianites, okay? So the Midianites, uh, are, what they do is that the Israelites uh, spend, you know, all season long plowing fields, seeding the fields, watering the fields, and when it comes time to harvest, the Midianites come in like locusts and just take all their stuff. Man, take their food, man, take their cattle, and just leave, right? Have you ever seen the movie A Bug's Life? Very similar to that, you know? Got the ants, and you got the grasshoppers come and steal their stuff, you know? Y'all didn't know that was a biblical story, did y'all? I didn't know that. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, very similar to that. And so, we're, we're introduced to, to, to Gideon, um, and the Israelites have been crying out to God for, to be rescued. God sends a prophet, uh, and it says, hey, if you just obey me, like I'll, I'll, come, like, I'll come and rescue you guys. And then we get introduced to Gideon, um, in Judges chapter 6, verse 11. So let's read um, Gideon right here. And so uh, it says, The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Ophrah that belonged to Joash the Abizarite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep from the Midianites. Okay, so he is in a wine press. Like, these are pretty big things. They're hidden. They're deep, right? And so he's hiding, pretty timid behind the scenes, not trying to cause attention to himself, right? So he is hiding, all right? 
So in this place of him being hiding and being behind the scenes, the angel of the Lord shows up and says, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Right? That seems pretty perplexing, right? It's like, mighty warrior, this guy is not the mighty warrior, right? But like, it was in this place of being lowly, in this place where he's behind the scenes, in this place where he wasn't trying to be out in the front, like he's called a mighty warrior. Interesting. Interesting. And then Gideon has a pretty, pretty solid response, a pretty normal response. He says, pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. The Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength that you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I'm the least in my family. Okay? Pretty fascinating. Pretty fascinating. name. I love this story. Um, I think it's one of, the, one of my favorite encounters that God has with, with a person in, in Scripture. Uh, and, I, and I love what, 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 God, what, the, what the angel says. It says, go in the strength that you have and save Israel from Midian. It's like, what strength did he have? You know what I mean? Like, what, like, what was that, man? It was, it was right where he was behind the scenes. Like, you know, kind of seemingly insignificant. It was like, in that strength that you have, I'm going to use that to, to, to rescue. It's like, what? Doesn't make any sense. Pretty, pretty remarkable. So here's the dude. He's literally hiding, not to cause a ruckus, not to bring attention to himself, avoiding the crowd. It sounds like any introvert that you may know, right? It's in this place that God calls him a mighty man. It's in this place that God says, the strength that you need is right here. Where you are, how I've made you. Man, he didn't get to disqualify himself because he wasn't a leader like Moses or a warrior like Joshua. Stories that he had heard from his youth. His only qualification was saying yes to Yahweh. That's all he needed to do. It's pretty remarkable. So, so what happens after this? So after some, he has more conversation with, with the angel and with the Lord, and he gives some sacrifices uh, to God. Um, and then we continue reading here in, in Judges uh, 6.25. And the Lord says this. He says, the, the, Lord, the same night the Lord said to him, take the second bull from your father's herd, the one that's seven years old, tear down your father's altar to Baal, and cut down the Asherah pole beside it. Then build a proper kind of altar to the Lord, your God, on the top of this height, using the wood from the Asherah pole that you cut down, offer the second bull as a burnt offering. So Gideon took ten of his servants and did as the Lord had told him. But because he was afraid of his family and the townspeople, he did it at night rather than in the daytime. And here we have, again, this kind of like timidity <laughs> of Gideon, right? Like, I am bashful. I am behind the scenes. I'm not going to do this for my own glory. I'm going to do it at the cover of night. I'm, I'm a little fearful. I'm a little scared. But yet, he's, yet he still said yes to Yahweh and was able to accomplish the task that he has for him. Now, Another lesson in here that I'm, I'm, I can go preach on this, but I'm not going to for real. But uh, it's interesting that before God called Gideon to go take care of the entire nation, he called him to take care of his home first. I mean, the place, his father's house, where there were idols, where there were generational curses, where there were things in his life that he needed to take care of. And he, God said, I want you to take care of this first. Be faithful to do, to fix the things that are in your own life, and then I'm going to reward you by giving you the ability to, to take care of those around you as well. And I think that's such a, a foreshadowing to even what Jesus said. He says, man, the kingdom of God is in, in you first, right? The kingdom of God is developing inside of us, and then, is, then after it's grown inside of us, it's able to, 
to, to advance around us as well. And so just a little lesson there for you guys. That was free. You don't got to pay for that one. All right, so here we have Gideon obeying God, like under the cover of darkness, you know, keeping to himself, um, not doing a whole lot, but just saying yes to Yahweh. Okay, so he's nervous, but he still says yes. All right, so now it's, it's the time. It's, it's the big moment. Um, Gideon is ready to defeat the enemy. And later on in the chapter, it says that the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. Um, and, but Gideon does, does something that's pretty peculiar. Um, after God's Spirit comes upon him, what he does um, is peculiar, not because, um, like, I think any, any one of us would have done what he did. Like, it's pretty, it's pretty normal to do what he's about to do. But it's peculiar because, like, the way that he goes about trying to accomplish God's, the, this next big thing is that he tries to kind of, like, step out of his own self. You know, like, God had used him in very small ways, like, in a wine press, under the cover of darkness, using 10 people, not these, these, big, these big things. And so... What Gideon does is that he goes and he gathers an army of 32,000 people, okay? That's a lot of people, right? And as, you, as we read, I don't think Gideon is that guy <laughs> to be leading 32,000 people. But, like, I'm sure as, as he's thinking about these, these stories of, man, the, these great people of, of his ancestry, of, of like a Moses or, a, or a Joshua, he's like, this is, what, this is how I have to be in order to accomplish God's plan for my life, right? And so he starts to step into something that's really not him, Right? And so he gathers all these people, and then God says, hey, man, that's not it. <laughs> I, don't, I don't need any of this. Remember, I said, go in the strength that you have. I don't need anything else. I just need you to obey me, right, where you are. And it's, it's pretty remarkable. So God, God kind of puts the people through a couple tests. Uh, he says, Gideon, God tells Gideon to, to ask the, the, the army. He said, hey, if anybody is scared, you can go home, right? 20,000 of them leave <laughs> just immediately. You know, that's pretty big, pretty big drop. And then uh, God says, give it one more test. All right, I want you guys to go down to a river and drink some water. All right? And the guys that get down on all fours and drink like a dog, send them home. All right? But the guys that get on one knee and drink, you know, out, out of just out of one hand, they can stay. Okay? Um, also, that's probably a really funny scene. Could you imagine, like, thousands of men just on their hands and knees just lapping water out of the river pretty funny but uh after this last test there's only 300 people left 300 okay so he goes from 32,300 and then God says this is it this is the strength that I that, that you need right here and because Gideon says yes to Yahweh right he ends up rescuing the whole nation through some ingenuity with a couple vases and some uh a couple torches they basically tricked the Midianite army into defeating themselves, right? And it's all this is under the cover of darkness. It's not out in public, but it's, it's just in the strength that Gideon had, right? And some of some of you might relate to Gideon, like this behind the scene kind of guy. But if you or, or girl, but if you just say yes uh, to Yahweh, man, you you can be at a place, man, where you're rescuing entire nations. It's pretty cool, pretty awesome. Uh, so now, if there's a spectrum of personalities in the Bible, Gideon Gideon is on one end. And then we have this guy named Moses, who's probably on the other end, all right? And I call Moses the justice warrior, okay? Moses uh, just seems to have a knack for finding injustice in his life. He's, like, if you've ever read the story of Moses, he's kind of always around wrongdoings, right? Um, and I'm sure he just, he's, like, had a passion for seeing things made that were wrong made right. You know, from a very young age, we see that. And Moses' story is 
a lot more vast than Gideon, so we're not going to spend time reading every account of Moses, but we're going to start uh, from the very beginning and kind of work our way uh, through his early, his early life. Um, it's pretty, pretty awesome. And so if you don't know this whole story of Moses, I recommend the movie Prince of Egypt. Pretty amazing. Amazing soundtrack uh, as well. So, yeah, do that. More homework for you guys. Um, so uh, let's read in... Uh, Moses, I'm sorry, in Exodus chapter 2, verses 11 and 12. Um, so, uh, I'm, quick backstory. Moses, born in Israel, was rescued by Egyptian uh, woman, raised in Egyptian Pharaoh's household, but he, he knows that he's a, a Jewish person. Okay, so, uh, one day, um, after Moses had grown up, he went out to where his own people were and watched them at their hard labor. He saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his own people, looking this way and that and seeing no one. He killed the Egyptian and hit him in the sand. All right, so here's, here is, is, is Moses. I'm sure there's, there's a wrestling inside of him. He grew up um, under the, the, the culture uh, of the Egyptians. He knew their language. He knew how they acted, but he probably looked like you know, then slay people around him. So I'm sure there's some tension in him. And so he's walking out and he sees an injustice, man. Someone that of, of his of his kind being hurt, right? And he's like, man, I, I have to bring solution to this justice, right? But he goes and he kills him, man. You know, it's like, not great, Moses. Like, not great, bro. Like, this is not a proper way to, to, to bring justice to this situation. And so, man, yes, he's passionate about it, but I would say that Moses is 0 for 1 in being a justice warrior, man. It's like not very effective, like murder. Okay, don't do that, guys. Not, not, not good, okay? I'm sorry. So the very next day, Moses is out again, and now he sees two of his, his own kind uh, fighting and bickering. Um, it, says, it says in Exodus chapter 2, verses 13 and 14, it says, The next day he went out and saw two Hebrews fighting. He asked the one in the wrong, Why are you hitting your fellow Hebrew? The man said, who made you judge and ruler over us? Are you thinking of killing me as you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid and thought, what I did must have become known. And when Pharaoh heard this, he tried to kill Moses, but Moses fled from Pharaoh and went to live in Midian, where he sat down by a well. All right. So now he's, he's feeling kind of high and mighty, like, man, I did justice yesterday. Today I'm going to go out and try to do some more justice. And then he gets rejected and also get, he loses his home in the process. All right. So I would say Moses is 0 for 2 and being a justice warrior, okay? So now we found him, Moses, at a well, all right, in the land of Midian, okay? So um, scripture goes on to say this in Exodus uh, chapter 2, verse 16 and 17. Um, now a priest of Midian had seven daughters, and they came to draw water at the well that Moses was at and filled the troughs of water for their father's flock. Now there's some shepherds there that came along and drove them away, but Moses got up and came to their rescue and watered their flock, okay? So here we have Moses again, around an injustice situation, right? And some bullies come, and they're picking on um, this priest's daughter, and he's like, no, he, he drives them away, probably angry that he had, had failed the last two days in a row. He's probably filled with rage and drives those guys away, and he winds up watering the flock, all right? So this is pretty good, all right? He has finally accomplished something good as a justice warrior, right? So he's one for three as a justice warrior, and his biggest accomplishment are watering some sheep, okay? And so it's like, hey, you know, Good job, Moses, but hey, as far as your effectiveness, it hasn't really been working out for you, okay? So, great. And so, so now we see that Moses has 
uh, entered into the land of Indian. He winds up marrying one of these daughters. Uh, he becomes a shepherd. And I think he became a shepherd because that was the only place that he actually was successful was with sheep. <laughs> and it's justice warriors. You know what I mean? It's like, he's, this is where I can find some, some purpose because my passion to do justice is only being effective in this one place. Uh, but in this place of him being a shepherd, man, you know, the famous burning bush story, like he comes and he, he sees uh, the angel in the bush. He walks up to it and he has an encounter with God. And in this encounter with God, God says, hey, I want, I see that passion in you, but I want to align that with my purpose for you, right? And through some back and forth dialogue, essentially Moses goes and says yes to Yahweh, right? And then aligns his mission for justice with God's purpose and plan for his life. And so, so now Moses moves from watering sheep to rescuing the nation because he said yes to Yahweh. Pretty remarkable, right? Pretty cool. Pretty amazing. Great. All right, so, uh, so, so I, I know we, when we read about um, biblical characters, uh, it's kind of hard. It's kind of easy to be like, okay, yeah, that was back then. Like, what, what about right now? We, I'm not dealing with shepherds and, you know, Egyptians or, you know, a whole nation oppressing me necessarily. Okay, uh, so I want I want to talk about a more of like a current example, and that that that's that's my life. All right, Trevor, the go with the flow guy. Okay, um, and so. And if you know me, like I said, I've only been here for about a year, but if you know or spend any time around me, you know that I am have a pretty chill, laid-back personality, go with the flow. I'm a hopeless optimist. You know, I'm just like, man, things are going to do, things are going to work out. Things are going to be great, you know. You guys got it. You know, I'm just, if you ever need a hype man or a positive guy, just come, come to me. I'm going to be like, it's going to be okay, man. Um, and so uh, I've learned just through self-discovery. That's, that's kind of like how I've been made. You know, I'm kind of an introvert. I'm behind-the-scenes guy. I go with the flow mentality. It is what it is. Uh, and I like a lot of time to myself. Um, but, um, and I'm confident that this is how God's wired me. Um, but I know that when I live a life that's more committed to how I've been wired than how, what God's called me to, I end up in shambles, right? I know that. Like, my, my natural inclinations, not governed by God's spirit, leads me to a place where I'm apathetic, I'm lazy, I'm, I live a life that's purposeless, I don't care about a whole lot of things, right? That's kind of like the, 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 the backside of, of my personality, when it's ungoverned by God's spirit. Like I don't want to do anything, I just want to stay in bed all day. It's, and it's not really effective. But I do know when I partner got how God's made me with his plans and purpose for my life, that it actually can um, bring God's kingdom to earth. I know that God can use me to, man, remind people in really difficult situations that God is still on the throne. Like, it really is going to be okay because the king of the universe has things under control. You know, I can remind people that, you know, hey, you can slow, slow down and see that Jesus is working. Don't get distracted by just doing so much that you can't see that God's working in your life. Like, those things are, like, really valuable for, for God's kingdom coming to earth. And I know that I only get to that place when I partner who, with who, how God's made me with his purpose for my life. Right, so, so, so now, son. What about us? What about you here in this room, man? What, what, uh, where, where does God have you, man? What I know as we read some of these biblical characters, maybe Moses, uh, maybe, maybe Gideon, maybe even myself, maybe rang a court with you that you were inspired, um, or maybe related to 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 one of those those characters. Maybe you're somewhere in between, but it's in the self discovery 
that we can find some clarity on how God will use this. Man, he's placed passions, desires, and personality in you for a reason. Now, understand that there's also a tension there that we need to wrestle with. The key to self-discovery is itself. And I know that we've all been taught all our life that we are the center of the universe here in this, in this country. Like, we've all been taught that. And when we enter into the seasons of self-discovery, it's so easy to be caught up in the societal current that just makes us selfish navel-gazers, right? That's so easy to do. But for a believer, I, I think there's a next step. It's discovering the beauty of who we are as image bearers and the beauty of what God's made us to be and also discovering, man, that the crown of personality and passion that God has placed on each and every one of us. But our next step as believers is choosing to take that crown and lay it at the feet of Jesus. That's what we've been called to do. And this, in this place is where we find true freedom. In this place where we find that all that we need for life and godliness. Man, it's in this place that we find the spirit of wisdom and truth. Man, it's in this place that we find God's kingdom. For Jesus said that if you like to gain your life, you're going to have to lose it. But God wants us to lose it right here at his feet. Lose it in a place where you can be aligned with his will for your life. And in that place, you have life and life more abundantly. It's pretty amazing. It's an adventure. And what's crazy, too, is that, like, in this place, of when you just kind of lay down your life at God's feet, he begins to use you in ways that you didn't think you could be used. Like, there's many, many times where God, like, empowers me to do things outside of my personality, like, outside of, like, my framework. Like, doing something like this. Like, this is not me, guys. Like, I don't, I don't speak much. You know, I don't really enjoy doing this at all. But it's like, man, like, I, God has called me to, to, like, proclaim truth. And so, like, he empowers me to do so. You know what I mean? Like, or, for instance, like I, like I said, I'm a self-admitted introvert, right? I love being by myself. But, like, my full-time job is campus ministry where I'm around people all the time, right? And so it's like, I and myself would never say yes to this. But I've said yes to Jesus, and he's equipped me to do this job. You know what I mean? And so it's like, man, that is the opportunity that we all have today is to say, man, how in my everyday can I say yes to Yahweh? And understand, like, even in, if it seems insignificant, that my yes to Yahweh will bring transformation to the world around me. We got to be people uh, that, are, that are about that life. And when we're committed to that, we, we begin to understand that my, my hands are, get less awkward, and they begin to get, put my hands on the plow and push forward uh, to, and to the purpose and the plan that God has for us. And, yeah, it'll be weird for a little bit as you're figuring it out, you know? But you were made for this. Each and every one of you were made for the gift that God has for you is designed to bring transformation to the world around you. Um, I, as I was thinking about this, I was thinking about just, like, like kids walking, you know? Kids are made to walk, you know? They got the, the muscles, the bones, you know, the joints in there. But watching a kid try to walk for the first time is super weird and awkward. They look like little drunk babies, you know what I mean? Just like they're falling and it's weird and it's like, you know, it gets uncomfortable, you know? But we think it's cute and we get, we get excited about it. And I'm sure like God sees us trying to walk in our gifts, you know, really weird and like, okay. He's not saying, you stupid kid, get up. Like, you know, he's like, man, he's rejoicing in this process, you know, as we're figuring it out. Uh, and so we have, to, we have to go through these, these seasons when we're figuring out Man, how to walk in fully the gifts that God has for us. But, um, yeah, just embrace that process. Get in the picture, right? Get excited about what God has for you and ask, man, yes to Yahweh this week. In my job, you know, um, in my family, with my neighbors, 
in every area of our lives. And I guarantee you that we start seeing, you're going to start seeing some pretty cool and amazing things as God's kingdom starts to work uh, in you and through you. Amen? All right, cool. That's all I got. I'm going to pray. God, we thank you so much just for the opportunity to, to come alongside you, Lord. Um, you have been so gracious to, to guide us and to work with us, God, as we're figuring out, man, man, what to do with our hands. God, would you help us this week just to um, be bold in how you've made us and a partner, God, how you've made us with your purpose and your plans, God. God we want to see your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we hope this message has inspired you and challenged you to be the man or woman he's called you to be now and to see his kingdom grow in every area and arena of life. God is with you more than you know. For more information about our community here in Kansas City, please visit us online at citylifekc.org and we'll see you next time on the City Life Podcast.